Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast with a series called Promises and Power. This series focuses on Israel capturing the promised land, guided by a new leader, Joshua. Today, you'll hear Senior Pastor Perry Duggar share about the faith of Rahab. Rahab believed in Yahweh and demonstrated her faith through her actions. Today's episode is titled, Faith. Is God in your story? Today we continue our series, Promises and Power. And what that title refers to is that when we believe and trust God's promises, he provides power not to fulfill all of our ambitions, but for us to fulfill his plans for our lives. Today's title is Faith, and it refers specifically to the faith of Rahab, but also to ours as well. You can take your program out. I typically put a a theme verse to sort of get us started on, give the direction in advance. This verse is not from the passage in um, Joshua chapter two, which is where we'll be. This is actually from James chapter two. Rahab was shown to be right with God by her actions. She was not made right by her actions. She was shown to be right by her actions when she hid those messengers. And so we begin in Joshua chapter two, verse page 180 in this Bible available here at Brookwood. And we begin at verse one. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies. It appears to mean he didn't even let the the other Israelites know he was doing it. From the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove, he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there the night. Wonder why they went to her house. What do you think? It was on the wall, that's good. So it was accessible. You think there are any other reasons? So it wouldn't have been unusual for men to come into her house. I think those are probably likely. Nothing immoral occurred. Well, how do you know that? Well, because it didn't say that the men went into Rahab. It says they went to the house of Rahab. And there's several other instances you can compare it to. For instance, Samson and Samson's immoral behavior. In this passage, we see that God does not reject us for our sin that we commit before we know him. He reaches and he uses people who admit their sin and who see their need of forgiveness. The only people, in my opinion, who cannot be saved are those who do not admit their need of salvation. We know that... that Christ said that it's the sick who need the physician, not the well. And so any of us that see our need of Christ, our need of forgiveness, our need of grace can receive it. 
Christ, in fact, was criticized by saying that he was the friend of tax collectors and sinners. Those are almost synonymous terms because the, the people considered tax collectors to be the lowest form of culture because they worked for the Romans and they robbed their fellow Jews. You see that in Luke 7:34. Look at this. Here's another one. I want to emphasize this even more. God chose things despised by the world, things or people counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So those of you who feel like you're not the highest rung of our culture, you're the very one he will choose and use. So what was it that enabled this woman, you can imagine how she was treated, ridiculed, shamed, despised by other women, probably in her life she'd been greatly victimized, exploited, even abused. So how was this woman able to help these Israelite spies? How did she do it? Somebody give me an answer. Y'all are all scared to death, goodness. She what? Okay, what do we call that? Faith. Faith, you know that word. Y'all are holding back from me today. The way that this woman, imagine her life, and yet she had the boldness to help these spies. And there's only way that, one way she would have, by faith. Hebrews eleven thirty one. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. You know, it's interesting, this woman is honored. Who knows who her son was? There you go, let me see that hand. Where, are the, where were you a few minutes ago? I need you to start sitting up here. I need some boldness up front here. Boaz was her son. Boaz married whom? Ruth. And so not only was Ruth and Boaz, but also Rahab were in the line of David and in the line of Jesus. What more honored place could there be? Matthew 1, 5. So this morning, we will examine faith. I think sometimes we undervalue faith. We think it's, oh, it's something I did when I was eight and I made this decision and, and so now I know I can go to heaven. I don't think there's anything as influential as faith in our lives. Not education, not intelligence, not economic level, not intellectual advancement, faith is the most comprehensive, most powerful influence in our lives. And it doesn't arrive 
without changing us. So we're going to examine this morning the content of faith just from this passage. First, faith includes courage facing opposition. Now, these spies were recognized. Wonder how? Anybody have an idea? Say it louder. The clothes. Now, let me, who, raise your hand. Who's that talking? You need to come up here too. I need some good pupils up here close by. Get in front of some of these cowards. <laughs> I, think, I think perhaps clothes, perhaps the way they spoke, if someone heard them speak, some of their mannerisms, you know, people in different countries motion different ways. Isn't that right? Roland's in, in India. They even nod their heads differently. I think this is, I think that's yes, isn't it, Roland? It's like in a figure eight. And we're going, what are you, what are you saying to us? But they could be picked out. When I was in college, I was with a group of students who went to New York City. I was, uh, we actually got on the train in Savannah and we rode the train all the way to New York City. I was thinking it was later on and I, I boarded, but we boarded it because I was in uh, Statesboro, Georgia in college, in undergrad school. And so we rode, and when we got off the train and we stopped in a restaurant, the waiter said, so where do you folks come from? And we said, well, how, how do you know we're from out of town? We hadn't spoken. And he went, well, <laughs> your clothing reveals you. Now, now, that was before I had such a sense of style. <laughs> which Leanne would dispute. But you've got to say, at least I'm usually clean. My clothes are usually clean. There may not be anything else. But, but people can be picked out just by their clothing, by their mannerisms, or by their language. And so these spies were recognized. We begin at verse 2. But someone told the king of Jericho. Now, Jericho was a single city, but towns in Palestine were independent city-states, much like Rome. And so the rulers were referred to as kings. Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. How do you think she would have felt? Yeah, terrified. Treason was likely punishable by death. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates, those were the city gates that would seal off the town, were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out to dry, of course. 
So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Now, what do you recognize, what do you recognize immediately from Rahab's words? She's lying. And she deceives the king's men. It's amazing how many commentators take, take a long time discussing this issue about her lying. Was it right? Was it wrong? She risked her life by hiding these spies. She sided with Israel against her own people. She told the king's men to hurry. If you chase after them now, you might catch them because she knew if the king's men searched her house, they would certainly find the Israelite scouts. So the question that some writers at least ask, and you might ask it, was Rahab right to lie or did she sin by her deceit? Well, the Bible certainly identifies lying as sin, the ninth commandment. Proverbs 12 does, Colossians 3 does. And yet Rahab is commended for her, her active faith in protecting the spies. but she's not commended for her deception, specifically. And I think you have to see the scripture this way. Not everything reported in the scripture is an endorsement. Sometimes it's just a narrative. And so every behavior that appears in the scripture is not an endorsement of that behavior. And you wonder as you think about Rahab and her words, is that related to lying to Nazis to protect Jews in World War II? Is it similar to giving false information during wartime? Is there a hierarchy of loyalty? You know, I think, again, you know, whenever I say that, you get to consider and reject if you want. I think Christians should resist a government that commands or compels evil or that directly violates God's laws, commands, plans, and purposes, that mistreats people cruelly, But despite my saying that, and as you consider it, don't think that Rahab's lying gives us approval for lying. Because notice this, did Rahab lie for her own sake? Hmm. She actually risked her life to support these men who were pursuing God's purpose in this land. And so we don't have here justification for our lying on our tax returns or even for personal matters. I think really one of the worst forms of lying may be one that we don't take very seriously at all. You know, the, the phone rings and, you know, someone picks up. And, you know, I would caution you, be, 
be careful of even those kinds of lies to avoid social embarrassment because there are little eyes and ears that are learning what's right and what's wrong. And once we get a loose grip on the truth, it will continue to slip through our hands in different times throughout our lives. Rahab's faith provided her courage to face threatening opposition. You know, we're saved. We're not saved when we make a decision. We're saved actually when God's spirit regenerates us. And the spirit imparts faith. But when that happens, it's not ever all that happens. The Spirit also strengthens us for challenges. So what was true of Rahab is true of you and it's true of me. When our faith is challenged, when we face opposition, when our culture criticizes us, when we're condemned for our moral beliefs, we can stand by faith. Every one of us that possess faith without withering from fear. Do you wonder why communist countries and tyrannical dictators always, to my knowledge, always suppress Christianity. You ever wondered about that? Anybody wonder about that? Why? Christians are humble, nice. They care for others. Why would, here's why. Because these tyrants can't control Christians. They really don't even understand us. They think that we have just made some shallow decision and so we can be forced out of it with threats, with pressure. What they don't understand is we are people who've been radically transformed by faith and we have an authority that we will never back down from. And the state will never rule over us in a way that contravenes God and his word. And they can't figure that out. Because we possess supernatural strength and exceptional loyalty to our Lord and Savior. Many governments persecute Christians. There's more persecution going on globally now than at any other time, any other century. And under persecution, what happens to the church? What happens to Christians? Do you know? What'd you say? What happens? It grows. The church grows under persecution. In China, the church has exploded. It went underground. And so the, the point here is to be wise. You don't pick fights. You don't 
become violent, you stand. You stand, but yes, you speak, but you stand. And so we can be brave facing opposition. We can demonstrate courage amidst threats. We can defend the powerless. We can support justice. Even if we suffer. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us. Wait, I think we all need to read this. Let's, y'all read it, read it with me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Is that proven in your life? Are you displaying that? Right now, many of you are likely facing some kind of challenge or opposition. In your family, from your employer, There's institutions that battle against us, educational, medical. There's all kinds of institutions where we're facing opposition. Are you receiving the Spirit's strength so that you can stand? The content of faith also includes conviction about truth. Verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. That's a bit surprising, isn't it? These are people living in a double-walled city. The sol- they had many soldiers, they were trained, they were armed. But you know what? This fear of God in the land of Canaan was prophesied as Israel crossed the Red Sea. It was part of a song of prophecy in Exodus 15. And it said, the terror of the Lord will be visited on Canaan. It's also referred to in Exodus 23 at the end of Moses receiving the law. It's right at the end of the law that Moses gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. And he again says the terror or the fear of the Lord will fill the land of those peoples populating it. See, we think that whatever we're battling is all up to us. Anybody feel that? Are you facing opposition that seems overwhelming to you. You're not fighting alone. Pray more than you worry. You know, I I would urge you to try to include in your schedule praying at least one day a month at 815 with us. Because let me tell you, This church will only succeed by the Spirit of God going before us. 
And whoever you're, you are opposing or whoever's mistreating, controlling, dominating you, you may not be able to defeat that person, that group by yourself, but God can and he can visit his terror on them. He can change the king's heart is what Proverbs says. He can turn it like a water course. So we pray, we pray. Many of us are finding all kinds of institutional difficulties. We see it medically with Graham. We pray, we pray. Verse 10. For we have heard If I can find my verse 10, there it is. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. See, God destroyed their desire to fight. He instilled them, filled them with fear. Now, Rahab hid these spies by faith. That means that she possessed faith even before she acted, not after she acted. Faith enabled her to act. And so she, in this, in this statement, is confessing belief in the Israelite God who goes by the name Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is really Y-H-W-H because Hebrew doesn't have vowels. So the, the A and the E are just suggested Vowels that actually come from the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord. But we're not sure what the vowels are. She believed in Yahweh as the supremely powerful God. And this was surprising because Canaanites worshiped many gods. They had many idols throughout the land. You can find it in Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 12 throughout there. So how did she, this despised, abused, mistreated woman, how did she recognize this truth when most of the other people in the city rejected it? You say, well, she said she heard these stories. Yeah, she heard stories of the Israelites' God, but didn't everybody else? She heard stories of the power of other gods as well. I mean, in our culture, everybody's heard the story of Jesus. I mean, it's particularly at Christmas time. So why is it the minority of us that believe? She had observed her townspeople worshiping other gods. She saw it in practice. And these people were 
they were so intense in their loyalty to these idols, they even sacrificed their children in the fire. But she knew that Yahweh was the true and supreme God. How? Holy Spirit. It was revealed to her by the Holy Spirit. Just as the truth about Jesus is confirmed in us. Matthew 16, 17. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Because just before this, he says, who do the people say I am? And who do you say I am? And, and Simon says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, my father revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I mean, we hear lots of things that we think are crazy, Right? I mean, I heard somebody saying there was a population on the moon and beyond that, Mars. And this guy was serious. And some of you may say, well, I've seen it. I've seen it. (laughs) Faith is a gift. Ephesians 2.8. And faith is... This gift is gifted to us the belief, the certainty about truths of Jesus' sacrificial death for our sake and his resurrection that proved the sacrifice was sufficient. And it's become a fact to us. Not something we hold in a shallow way, something that holds us in a thoroughly secure way. Look at Hebrews 11. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for, that we've been forgiven, that we'll be accepted into heaven, our sins have been forgiven. Those are the things we hope for. We've experienced the spirit, but it's still something we hold by hope. What we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about those things we cannot see. And then it continues in verse six. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God, now this is Yahweh. So when it says that God exists, it's not saying a spiritual being exists. It's saying this person God, his identity, his power, who he is singularly exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Let's go back to Joshua 2, verse 12. Now swear to be by the Lord, by Yahweh, that you will be kind to me and my family since since I have helped you. 
Give me some guarantee. The Hebrew literally says a sign or a signal of truth. That when Jericho is conquered, see she has no doubt about it. You will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. Their response, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. She's not asking questions. She doesn't say, in the event you're able to conquer, will you set me free? She says, when you capture this land, how convinced are you of the truth of the gospel? Is it something fragile or is it something that you know deeper than you know your own children or you know your own name has it become part of who you are and it cannot be denied because our culture is always attacking our faith again I heard someone was saying, oh, you know that there's a, there are a lot of writings from the Bible that are hidden and the Bible that we have was all distorted. And it, it, so the, the faith that Christians believe today really is not true or accurate. There's always people saying things like that. So I, I, I would answer with this. Have you been born again? Have you experienced truth so that it's changed who you are, how you think, how you behave? Because that's your proof. Your experience with the Spirit of God. The content of faith also includes commitment to obey. Verse 15. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, I told you it was between, archaeologists believed that Jericho was built with a double wall, which would have been safer. But the poorer citizens had to build their homes between the inner and the outer walls, which would have been the least safe area. She let them down by a rope through the window. Drop to 17. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your mother, father, father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. But if you, and this you is not a singular in Greek, it's a plural word in Greek. So these spies may have been telling this to Rahab and her relatives but if it's only Rahab, she's to communicate it to them because they were included in this instruction too. If you betray us, however, 
we are not bound by this oath in any way. So Rahab was given instructions that she and her family had to follow to save their lives. They had to place a scarlet robe in the window. Now, some of you may have read writings about the scarlet rope. You may have heard sermons about the scarlet rope and the scarlet rope is like the painting of blood on the doorpost of the Passover. And um, it, it symbolizes the blood of Christ and all that. Maybe. But when I read something like that, unless the scripture tells me that's what it represents, I don't automatically jump to that. That's, that's sometimes called spiritualizing. Now you can make a comparison, but I mean, why do you think the rope was scarlet? <laughs> Chris says, so it could be seen. Is that what y'all think? <laughs> I th it was what she had and it could be seen. I think that's exactly true. Maybe there's another comparison, but be careful to put your faith in sort of abstract thoughts like that when the scripture, which tells us what we need to, to know, doesn't refer to. The family also had to remain inside the house and there could be no one in the family betraying the spies. Those were the, those were the three conditions. And at verse 21, she says, I accept your terms. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Now, how does that apply to us? When we believe in Jesus, when we're forgiven and born again, that's not the end of the relationship. What is it? It's the beginning of a relationship. And relationships have commitments from all the parties in the relationship. Is that true? If you're in a marriage right now and one of you is making no commitments and one of you is, your relationship's in trouble. So when we have a relationship with God, it is two ways. He's made commitments to us, but we've made commitments to him as well. And so we agree with God regarding how we will live, what we will do, not, not as a condition of salvation. I'm not speaking of, so if you don't do it, you lose your salvation. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about relationship that's ongoing not a condition of salvation, an evidence of salvation. Verse 24. So you see, ja oh no, look at James 2 first. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Now, did, that, did this say we're forgiven because of what we do? Does anybody see that? But it does say evidence will follow faith. That's what it's saying. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. 
our lives reflect our faith. Our behavior reveals whether we've been born again. So what's the best evidence that you know the Lord? Our actions. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. So what does my life say about my faith? What does my behavior say about whether I've been born again? And you say, there's not much evidence in mine. Then you need to be dealing with the Lord on this issue. Because it may be that you haven't been born again, or it may be that you've been not growing at all in your faith. Verse 22. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days, then dropped to 23. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. But they still had to battle to take possession of it. Does my life reflect faith? Does your life reflect faith? Now, how do I know? Well, ask somebody that knows you well. Are we faithful in obeying God's direction? James 1 is our memory verse today. And it says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. Now, if anything that I've said, like I've told you before, my words are not what's important or or spiritually beneficial. It's what the spirit has confirmed in you or what the spirit has said to you. And if the spirit is calling you to faith today, or if the Spirit is calling you to take some steps in your faith today, there'll be care volunteers will be here at the front to talk with you, to answer questions, to pray with you. They'll anoint you with oil for healing as well. They're also in the care connection room if you want to speak someone to someone privately just across the concourse. And it may be that, yes, you, you have been born again, but you haven't made much progress Well, take some steps to grow in your faith. We have the get involved set up out in the concourse. You can join a a community group and start growing with a group of other believers. You can find a place to volunteer and use your gifts and service of God. Take a step. I urge you. Father, we do ask that you would confirm in us that we possess the kind of faith that Rahab did, the kind she displayed when she had courage despite great threatening opposition. Lord, help us to be convinced of your truth so that we will continue to obey your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. One way that you can strengthen your faith is meditate on God's Word. Meditation means read slowly, gaze intently, giving undivided attention to a passage of Scripture. This week, meditate on the daily readings that you'll find on the Brookwood Church app. Stop and reflect on words or phrases that stand out to you. Spend time talking with God about what He's revealing to you. On next week's episode, we'll continue the series in Joshua, Promises and Power to Prepare. Read Joshua chapters 3 and 4. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected to Brookwood. Email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org, or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on the Connections team. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you like what you hear, leave a review so that others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.